This is Gotham TV Podcast, Episode 71, looking at Gotham, Season 2, Episode 19, Azrael. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Gilzine on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites, to our episode where we're looking at episode 19 of the second season of Gotham, and this is Azrael. We have Rebirth, Reborn, and Resurrection in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host, Derek. A really good episode this week. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, tons going on. Really, really really good and i suspect leading to um maybe the keys being unlocked to a certain cells deep beneath arkham asylum i wonder if mischievous ed um is literally like a school kid in a candy shop and (laughs) he's gonna cause havoc but will it leave him with an upset stomach He's no longer top dog in Gotham, maybe. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You never know. You never know. But I have a feeling uh, all is not going to end well in this uh, second half. It is Wrath of the Villains, after all. It certainly is, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, listeners. Really good to have you on board for episode 71 of Gotham TV Podcast. We're cracking towards the end of our coverage of Gotham. Uh, only got another three episodes left after this one. Yeah, absolutely. Only three more left. A lot to happen, I wonder, where it will end up eventually. Yeah, and to follow us for all of those episodes and all the past episodes that we have, you can subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes by going through our direct link at gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes. If you don't listen through iTunes, you're not an Apple fan uh, or you're an Android listener, just go and search for us on any good podcast catcher by going and looking for Gotham TV Podcast. Um, you should be able to find it on any podcast catcher like uh, Beyond Pod, Podcast Addict, even on Stitcher. Absolutely. And of course, um, you can follow us and join our groups on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast. Um, and as well, we as always tweet out live every Monday at 10 p.m. on Channel 5 um, when Gotham is aired in the UK and in Ireland. Uh, so just join us, follow us uh, on our Twitter handle at Gotham TV Podcast. Yeah, and if you want to send in any feedback to us other than through uh, Twitter or on Facebook, uh, you can always email us at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. And if you want to leave us some audio feedback for the last couple of episodes of Gotham, you can also go to our website. Just go to gothamtvpodcast.com, click on the send voicemail button, and then you can record your thoughts about any of the last couple of episodes or any of your thoughts about the season so far of Gotham. Uh, we'll play them on, on our future episodes. Uh, so thanks very much for joining us again for this episode. I think it's time to crack into episode 19 of season two of Gotham. Absolutely. Derek, what do you have for our production notes? Well, this episode was directed by Larissa Kondraki, uh, who has directed episodes of The Walking Dead, of Better Call Saul, and is joining us for Gotham for this episode. Uh, episode was written by Ken Woodruff, probably one of the most prolific uh, writers for Gotham. He's done about seven episodes so far throughout season one and season two. And it's written also by Jim Barnes, who written, wrote the episode uh, where... We lost Theo Gallivan from the show, and now he's writing the episode where Theo Gallivan comes back. Kind of. Uh, Quite cool to have him on board. Seems to be uh, really knowledgeable about that character. Uh, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us in the synopsis for this episode? Sure. Jim Gordon, based on the evidence collected with Bruce Wayne, acts on his suspicions about Hugo Strange and goes to Arkham to question him about Project Chimera. 
Their meeting spooks the philosopher and his assistant, Miss Peabody, but as they scramble to protect Indian Hill and its secrets, a chance encounter with Ed Nigma, freshly incarcerated in Arkham, makes Strange realise that everybody has a story. As Hugo imbues Theo Gallivant with his story, he creates Azrael, the Archangel of Death and protector of the Order of St. Dumas, which he unleashes onto Gotham and Jim Gordon. Meanwhile, Jim, Bruce and Harvey go with information about Project Chimera and Professor Strange to Captain Barnes and plead for his arrest. Whilst there, Azrael confronts Jim and his speed, training, weapons and theatrics leave an impression on the young Bruce Wayne. Azrael again confronts Jim at the GCPD, where Barnes has imprisoned Jim for his own safety. But Azrael gets the upper hand. As they flee to the rooftop of the precinct, Azrael's identity, Theo Gallivan, is revealed to Barnes and Jim, but is also broadcast to Gotham for all to see. All the while, Ed Nigma has acted on his encounter with Peabody and Strange, and has uncovered their own scary little secret in the basement of Arkham Asylum. Yes, as I said, an excellent episode, a really good episode, loads going on again. Tons going on, tons of character development, just seeing Ed sort of hold court in Arkham, Mm -hmm. uh, just seeing him sort of start to figure things out, um, really good. Um, Obviously, Asriel came back at the, or Theo Galavan, I should say, resurrected at the last episode, you know, it's suddenly given uh, a meaning to his new existence. Um, You have the, the, the depths of Peabody, and strange and, mm-hmm. and what they will do to secure Indian Hill and, and their project, presumably still within the pay of Wayne Enterprises, no less, but not necessarily stated here, but that's what I kind of assume anyway. Yeah. And then, um, obviously you have, um, fantastic moment with Bruce Wayne seeing a, a certain caped individual flying around, um, with enhanced speed, weapons, just general training and a cape, um, and uh, a cape. Yeah. exactly. So um, really interesting to see. But I, I think we should probably move on with our points. We uh, normally do five of our points, good, bad or indifferent of the episode. And uh, with that, I think, Derek, what's your first point? My first point about the episode is actually just a little uh, little point. Um, it's about, unfortunately, poor Mr. Halsinger, uh, who's been with us throughout season one and season two, played by two different actors, but uh, one one of the maniacs, I think, at, at one yeah. point, led by Theo Gallivan. Um, he has been, I think, killed by Theo Gallivan in this episode, which makes him the last of the maniacs now uh, to have lost their life. Uh, he did out-survive all of the other maniacs um, from previous episodes. I think Barbara Keane is still alive and was working with them, but wasn't necessarily part of that gang. So, uh, so uh, a little bit of a drop out a little drink for, uh, for poor Helsinger, who now lost his life at the hands of Theo Gallivan and his case full of uh, weapons. Yes, that was a <laughs> great little moment <laughs> with um, you look, use the case and then Theo Gallivan, or shall we say Azrael at this stage, uh, actually uses the case mm-hmm. and not the sword within the sword of sin yes um really really good i mean yeah i had a good little chuckle that. <laughs> maybe you should try opening it says hugo <laughs> <Yeah>. yes <laughs> really good uh, fun really moment. good absolutely but yes when i say a, a fond farewell to helsinger he's been uh been a bit a bit fun uh throughout the throughout the two seasons a bit scary as well he is, is the one that beat jim gordon pretty badly mm-hmm. in that alleyway under the orders of Barbara Keane That's when right. she had gone into the GCPD precinct and obviously the ensuing massacre that occurred under uh, Jerome. 
Yeah, so he he played his role in, in that uh, in that massacre uh, to a T by by keeping Jim uh, occupied on other matters, i.e., making sure he's got out of that alive. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, John, do you want to give us your first point? Yes, but I don't want to wander among mad people," said Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a really, really exciting point for me. Um, two drops of uh, the Mad Hatter in this. Firstly, we have right at the start, um, we have a wonderful little exchange between um, Miss Peabody and Hugo Strange, where um, Hugo Strange goes, wonderful, isn't he? Uh, strong as an ox, quick as a snake. Uh, and Miss Peabody chimes in with, they're no use if they're all mad as a hatter. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really good. And of course, then this whole um, notion brought in by Ed Nigma about everyone has a story and that chimes with Hugo Strange and we see him with Alice in Wonderland, uh, Lewis Carroll's uh, seminal work um, and he's reading the, the famous line uh, from that that book. You have the response to Alice's initial phrase from the cat that we're all mad here. You have to walk amongst the mad people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I presume there is a person in amongst one of the cells where the story of Alice in Wonderland and in particular the Mad Hatter will be um, imbued upon them. And we should, and we do know that Mad Hatter is a potential for season three. Yeah. Um, so this is excellent. Uh, I just, I just loved it. I loved the notion of how the Mad Hatter uh, comes into to being here. Um, you know, he's one of my favorite characters. I think I really like uh, just the notion that you know it, it's linked to Alice in Wonderland, such a great story. So this was really just really nice and juicy in terms of what it. Uh, forebodes on yeah. Gotham. Yeah, absolutely. No, I really like the character of, uh, of Mad Hatter. I think right back to our coverage of, uh, Gotham Central before the first season started, we talked about a great story arc there where they had the Mad Hatter, uh, included in those stories. Um, a really interesting character, really, uh, cool idea effectively that he, uh, creates mind control, uh, using hats, but he himself is, is a bit crazy. Uh, effectively, mm. he's been, he's gone mental and thinks he is the character from the, from, uh, the Alice in Wonderland novels. So, uh, really, interesting little call-outs here. I don't know whether we're going to get him very soon, uh, but it does look like that's the intention of uh, of Hugo Strange is to embody someone with that uh, with those, those quirky personalities. Well, so. that's it. With, with the success of uh, Azrael and, and uh, from Theo Galavan, he does walk down the, the corridor saying that he's going to insert personas into all subjects. So, I mean, this is... Um, this is now turning into a big project for him. It's it, it realizes his project of mm-hmm. creation um, from from all those bodies that it it gives them a sense of purpose, and it looks like he's going to give them some pretty uh, twisted, wicked purposes. Uh, yeah, I still agree with Peabody. I prefer Thorazine. Yeah, absolutely, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I think for my next point, I'm going to bring up one of the biggies of this episode, our moment with Azriel attacking Jim and Barnes, um, possibly one of my favorite moments that's ever been put on put in Gotham. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I love the Bruce's there to witness the attack of Azriel. Uh, Azriel's quite a big character in the comic books, as we mentioned on our last episode, um, kind of has an interesting relationship with Batman. But having the young Bruce Wayne watching this character disappear in the shadows and reappear using parkour across the buildings 
things. It's quite cool seeing uh, seeing Bruce's look going, ooh, that's interesting. I like the way he does that. <laughs> it's quite cool. Um, just having that attack itself, seeing him take out a lot of the officers in the, in the GCPD a little bit later on, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but the actual introduction of Azrael into this city where Bruce is watching on, where Barnes is watching on, where Jim is watching on, uh, really cool, especially because Barnes didn't believe that this person existed. Uh, and then the reveal to everybody very quickly that this is Galavan. Uh, maybe masks don't protect your identity for very long in the city of Gotham so far. Well, absolutely. But I mean, this was one of my points as well. I just thought this was a really great moment for uh, Bruce Wayne, just um, seeing the awe and the just the intrigue on Bruce's face as he sees Azrael jumping around the room and using theatrics, has the cape. Um, moving in the shadows and um, all of this all foretelling um his adoption of those traits mm-hmm. for, uh, um, for Batman uh, you know you, you see the switch or uh, turn on in in Bruce's mind though as he's kind of following this the shadowy um costume figure uh, using um the speed the power the the training um and, and obviously the theatrics are of the light and the dark really really good it really links into that confrontation of Batman and Bane in uh, Nolan's last film where they talk about the light and shadow and the theatrics mm. and the dark um you could argue this is maybe uh, the Christopher Nolan moment in, in this episode where uh, you know you see uh, just the awe of Bruce uh, the and the power that it is is given to Azrael by um, his confidence and what he does in that room. Fantastic. Really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, One of the other little touches that I like building up to uh, the potential future of Bruce Wayne in this episode. Just a little touch from in the conversation between Hugo Strange and Jim Gordon, uh, where Hugo Strange says to him that Thomas was very good at compartmentalizing, hiding off elements of his personality and hiding off elements of his life working in Pinewood uh, Farm. And he says to him that nobody knew the full details of what was going on in Pywood Farms except for Thomas Wayne. I know it's a lie. I know he's telling Jim a lie, but it's a nice little touch. This is something that Bruce will do in future, that he will be uh, compartmentalizing elements of his life in future to protect his secret of being Batman from everybody around him. I thought that was a nice touch in the episode as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it is what ultimately Thomas Wayne did. I mean, I don't know whether he's lying as such. I think... Thomas Wayne Mm. did compartmentalize it. You know, he's not necessarily brought it to the board. He's trying to investigate this on his own. He's also keeping it from uh, Martha and from Bruce. Even Alfred didn't know about it. So he is showing how you can keep something safe and secret and away from people by doing that, which I think Bruce is gonna like obviously take on board definitely. Yeah. But, but what Hugo's, Hugo's lie, I suppose, is more that he's telling Jim that Thomas kept all of this information to himself away from Hugo Strange, which Jim knows is completely untrue. Uh, Jim tells him, I know you were the leader of that whole thing. But that's the kind of life that that he was telling him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So, John, do you want to give us your next point? Yeah, I... touches on that exchange between um Hugo Strange and Jim Gordon at Arkham Asylum. I just thought this was absolutely um fantastic. I really 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 enjoyed this. Um I loved how, you know, Jim coming in arrogant as usual, um a bit uppity as far as I can say. 
Um, and I just love the switch of Hugo from being the person being questioned and interrogated by Jim to him switching this, you know, where he says, you no longer have the right to ask questions. Uh, you know, you've mm-hmm. been thrown out of the GCPD. But then I love it even more with the double switch back to Jim Gordon as he uses Hugo's own kind of mechanisms of being able to spot ticks and twitches in order to see when someone is lying uh, by by using that against Hugo himself, using the the uh, philosophers or the psychiatrists' uh, weapons against him. It's a great as, touch, yeah. yeah. by saying, now I know you're lying, uh, as he asks the final question. He, he has, you know, been confirmed as the philosopher, as being the one in charge of this project uh, Chimera. Uh, really, really, really good, I thought. Yeah, really good little touch where he asks to exhume the body of Victor Fries and is told that he's been cremated, which he knows for a fact not to be true since he saw him in the city of Gotham the previous night. Uh, yeah, really good, uh, really good conversation between the two of them. Another great conversation within this episode is the moment with Barnes and Bruce Wayne, uh, where, where Barnes effectively takes Bruce down a little peg. Uh, thought it was a, thought it was a nice touch. Uh, Bruce is trying to stand up to Barnes saying to him, um, I find your tone inappropriate when you're talking to, uh, when you're talking to Jim Gordon. I'm a concerned citizen and Byron says to him I find you to be a pain in the ass kid <laughs> get out of police work I uh, thought that was a good little touch just showing uh, just showing the kind of feeling that Barnes has for anybody outside of the GCPD. We see the same thing with Jim, with Jim Gordon as well. He's very much, you know, the GCPD are here to deal with these criminal situations. You're no longer part of the GCPD. We'll get out of our way. We're going to go and take care of this guy ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I really was thankful for Captain Barnes in this moment. Um, I mean, and, and hopefully, Bruce doesn't learn too much from Jim Gordon, as far as I'm concerned about that. Because when Jim goes into Captain Barnes, you can understand Barnes's reasoning here. It absolutely makes sense. You know, he's talking about uh, bringing people back to life, um, you know, and, uh, you know, he calls him a self-righteous punk um, yeah. to, to, to Jim. I would say you could change punk with a different word. I think uh, Captain Barnes has every right to say that um, Jim is self-righteous. Mm-hmm. He comes in and says, Barnes, you're stubborn, and the GCP paid a price. Actually, everything that's happened to the GCPD from Jerome's massacre has all been down to uh, a lot to do with Jim Gordon yeah. keeping secrets, not informing his colleagues and his officers and his superiors about what he's doing. That is what has brought down uh, the the death and destruction of the GCPD. And Barnes has been trying to take it down a route that can deal with all this craziness, which Jim is absolutely embedded in. So mm-hmm. I loved it when Barnes goes to Bruce, you're going to stop inserting yourself into police business and go home. Um, that's absolutely made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that hopefully what Bruce learns from that is that you need to work with the police and the GCPD, have that working relationship that you move forward with, whether it's with one person or whether it's with a group of people um, that you can trust Absolutely. Yeah. But I really, really like the fact that Captain Barnes here really just stuck it to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a nice moment um, to, to see that. Um, and I, I think it was needed. I think it was needed for a bit of truth telling here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jim needs to get off his incredibly high high horse yeah absolutely but there is also a nice little touch as well later on in the episode when they're having that conversation where um 
where Byron says to Jim, well, if you don't like it, maybe you should leave the GCPD. And Jim replies to him, maybe I will one day. Uh, nice little touch of a, oh, absolutely. a future, uh, future prediction, obviously. Great little future prediction, definitely. Mm-hmm. And there will be a time when he can. But at the moment, he is literally a pain in the ass for Captain <laughs> Barnes. I can really understand that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I mean... It just made sense to me, this whole scene. It was a yeah. real nice confrontation of Jim Bruce with Captain Barnes and him really just trying to say, look, we're going to do this and this is what we're going to do. And mm-hmm. you are with us or you're against us. And in the end, they do come round. And in the end, you get the reveal of Azrael and who he is. So, mm-hmm. you know, there is some method to Barnes's madness just as much yeah Um, and I think Gordon appreciates that he must do he did at the start of the season I can't think he's moved too far from from that thought yeah definitely there's there's even a moment in the episode here where Jim certainly confirms that he gets it he gets the things that he's done have been wrong you know I'm hopeful that what Bruce learns from are the things he says the kind of uh, do what I say not do what I do kind of mentality Jim specifically says to Bruce after revealing that Hugo Strange is the philosopher he says to him you don't want to go down the path of killing him that will make you the same as the evil you are trying to fight um a a, a a very central core belief of batman really this is this is something delivered to him by by jim here so i'm really hopeful that bruce is going to learn those lessons uh, from jim and not go down this path of trying to kill everybody in his way he's an angry young teenager at the, at the moment so uh, i'm presuming these are the kind of lessons he learns yeah and it's a really good connection in with that that whole confrontation with barnes you know that Bruce is getting impatient that the correct way is really allowing this person to escape um, in Hugo Strange. Like he calls it out as, you know, this is a man breaking the law and getting away with it. And he confronts Jim with, well, you did this with Theo Gallivan. Mm-hmm. And as you say, um, you know, Jim says that Bruce must not go down that path. It is quite interesting that Bruce confronts Jim with that, showing them that he knows all about uh, what's been going on in Jim's life while he's been on the run and when he went to prison and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, and with Jim saying that to Bruce, that, you know, he has to not go down certain paths, mm. uh, and with Barnes really sort of holding him up, saying, stop getting, you know, involved in matters that you uh, can't control or don't understand at this moment, um, that Bruce will learn that. And he will either train up on them, become aware of them like he did with living out on the streets so that he does know police procedures and Mm. what will happen so that he can anticipate them and and do all of that kind of stuff. And that's what I'm really enjoying about how Bruce is like this huge sponge at the moment, learning information from by himself, but also from other people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, John, do you want to give us your next point? Yes. My next point is uh, Nygma solves the riddle of Arkham. Mm -hmm. Um, He absolutely has embedded himself and embraced the madness by becoming a a full part of um of Arkham whether it's shaking his tush at the inmates in order to pretend that there is the ghost uh, so that he can build trust and become essentially top dog in this uh, mental house absolutely um, is really really interesting and he suspects there is um naughtiness going on from Peabody and, and Strange. He he suspects there is some kind of ulterior motive to Miss Peabody and Strange, especially when they take um, away Housinger uh, from the cells. And yeah. He follows them and they disappear. And of course, the ever-inquisitive Enigma uh, really wants to find out. And he uses his new allies here in 
in Arkham to to find the secret entrance. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a, a kid in a candy store, or maybe it will ultimately end up as a bull in a china shop. <laughs> the china shop actually being Gotham because he's going to completely unleash craziness madness um and presumably a few other well-known previous villains uh onto the streets of gotham and um, so yeah. i really liked uh ed Nigma's, uh sort of uh insertion into um arkham asylum here mm-hmm. really good to see and one thing i will say is that they really need more security in arkham even ed says that it's easy to get out of arkham once you're in there um but he spends probably what looks like to be an hour hour and a half in that hallway spraying the walls to find the secret entrance into indian hell uh, with nobody bothering and nobody noticing that he's disappeared that's quite interesting i know he calls out that he, what he's actually looking for is an escape route but yeah you're right he, he definitely feels there's something uh unnerving or unusual about Hugo Strange and Miss Peabody. He knows that there's something there. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's viewing them with suspicion as, you know, they refuse his offer to help bring down Jim Gordon. You know, he feels that there's a common enemy there that he can help them, maybe to get quick release or a better sell even, um, which is completely refused by Strange. And whether it's just because he doesn't like that um, or whether he does see some kind of additional uh, goings on you know mm-hmm. people disappearing housing are being taken away where does he go yeah you know he is he's a clever cookie and he's gonna sort of work these things out and i love the fact that he solves this riddle of arkham mm-hmm. and he also knows that penguins left uh, arkham he also knows that jim's ex uh, fiance has been let out of arkham as well so he knows the revolving door system of arkham he knows there's a way out uh, he i guess that's the assumption that he's making is that the experiments that Hugo is doing let people out of Arkham, so maybe he can get involved somehow. Quite cool. Quite cool. Uh, what I also love is Jim's put down to Ed as he arrives in, where Ed says, yeah. nobody can beat me, my intelligence. And Jim goes, well, I did. See you never. <laughs> you know, uh, quite, quite a good little moment for the two of them. But you did mention it. It is one of my points as well, my little Batman 66 moment for this episode, uh, probably just because it's the funniest moment in the episode, is as ed wrestles power of uh of arkham from the inmates i think it's absolutely hilarious i love cory michael smith in the scene uh where he's effectively found all the weaknesses of all the inmates around him um where he says that helzinger well he just needs a bit of love you just got to make sure you give him a bit of praise and then he'll be a friend the girl beside him she needs something to concentrate on so he does the little bait and switch with the book takes it away shows something else to her and then gives the book back to her a funny little moment and then he says the murderer just needs to think you're his friend and he gives him a flower uh fun little moment between uh, between them and then he turns around and stupidly says to professor strange maybe i should be the psychiatrist to and gets the dirtiest look from hugo strange absolutely immediately what did you say ed <laughs> but gives him the the idea or mm. that everyone has a story and I mean, this doesn't just have implications, obviously, for Asriel, um, but it is also, um, it has implications for the creation of villains here yeah. um, down in the depths of Indian Hill by using the technique that has been successfully trialed now by uh, Hugo Strange and Miss mm-hmm. Peabody. Maybe so- you should go out and buy the Batman Encyclopedia. <laughs> and then you can give them like, give them all the personalities. Exactly, the exactly. <laughs> so this is really interesting uh-huh. um, to see how the, how far they'll go with that. At least we know that with uh, Azrael and presumably the Mad Hatter, this is going to be um, 
the route to defining their personalities yeah. and personas. I well, really like the touch, I must say, because obviously we saw the other symptom earlier on in the season. We saw and we knew Azrael was coming because of it. We knew that there was there was uh, a possibility that we would see Azrael. I love the little idea here that, that you have Hugo inserting this uh, this concept into Galavan's brain and, and teaching him that he could be the protector of the Order of Saint-Dumas, which he probably thought he was in, in another way uh, as the mayor of the city and, and uh, taking on the um, elite of, of Gotham uh, as the mayor and as, as the lead businessman in the city, I suppose. I really like the flashbacks here that are done uh, by Hugo Strange on Theo Gallivan, the subliminal messages that have been put mm. uh, into and embedded into his mind uh, in order to give him a meaning and a direction for for Asriel, how that was done. In particular, I love how it all goes crazy in Theo Gallivan's mind after he um, initially attacks uh, Jim Gordon uh, and Barnes and he, he ends up down in an alleyway yes. with the poster of Theo Gallivan running for mayor. Mm. And all this flashing imagery comes. But the moment where you have Hugo Strange outline with the white glasses, I thought that was fantastic. Really fantastic touch. Um, it was just uh, so reminiscent of just that, that real subliminal uh, psychedelicness, which I really, really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and as... Azrael's memories start to come back as well. You know, he's still got that constant battle. Is he Theo Gallivan? Is he Azrael? He's, it's not just a, a, a permanent switch that Hugo has managed to do. There is still an internal battle going on but in, in Theo's mind or Azrael's mind. Absolutely. I loved that scene. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was so it's so well shot and so well put together as he sees the images that we've seen on the on the episodes. He sees them flash through his mind. Uh, really cool. And for my next point, it is the reveal of Theo Gallivan to the city of Gotham. I thought this is another scene that's really well handled by this director here. Um, really love the idea of the pajama party over in Butchers when uh, when everybody's watching TV together. Yeah. You know, uh, did they ever get out of their pajamas anymore? I don't think so. I <laughs> think Butch has failed. I think it seems like he lost his legs rather than his hand. Um, he hasn't been able to to kind of leave. Um, the, the, the sofa in front of the fire, um, at his headquarters. I mean, this isn't preparing himself for what I am sure will be the imminent return of, uh, Oswald Cobblepot in a, in a slightly more, uh, cracked, uh, and violent way. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as presumably his former boss with Fish Mooney. So, I mean, you know, he needs to start getting out and running his criminal empire. But I suspect that maybe, um, He's happy at this moment in time to to be the uh, watching at the TV. Yeah, he probably feels that he's done a good job. Everything's working really well. All the money's rolling in. Sure, Penguin's still up in Arkham, as far as he knows. There's no challengers anymore. They're all of them are dead. So he thinks he's okay, sitting around, hanging around on the couch. Barbara's there. He's got Tabitha there. You know, don't think. He's really understanding how crazy Barbara is and how quickly she may turn on him. But that was um, it. I, I, I'm concerned for Butcher's safety. I wonder if he represents now the old guard and mm. um, that will get taken out by a sudden opening of the gates of Arkham mm-hmm. and Indian Hill, dare I say, uh, which I think might happen and uh, Gotham being swamped with the crazies in very a sense. And um, this will be really interesting. But yeah, that was one of my questions. Has Barbara gone bonkers again? 
I do love the scene. I love the scene as she's flicking through TV channels over yeah. and over <laughs> and over again. But she's getting really angry with her. Then she gives the remote control to Tabitha. Who does Tabitha the same. Does exactly the same thing. <laughs> I loved it. Poor really Butch. Good. Poor Butch. That would absolutely wreck my head if somebody was doing that constantly. Uh, but yes, you're, you're right. There, There is the follow-up scene to that. It does show that a crazy cracked penguin who still hasn't gotten rid of the body of his stepmother... Um, yeah, that that pretty was creepy. pretty creepy. Uh, but he's watching TV and he sees Theo Gallivan and he responds with "Hello, old friend." Um, the one thing I wonder about that particular response—I know that that's a catchphrase of Oswald, but he generally means it. He generally says it to someone that he feels is in his life and he is, has a friendship with them. Um, Theo is certainly not somebody that he has a friendship with. Theo, Theo is the person that killed his mother. Does he remember it uh, the way we think he might? Um, he does have a lot going on in his head. He doesn't seem to be fully back to himself after coming out of Arkham. But I don't think Oswald will ever be back to himself. Mm. I think this is where Oswald has changed and he has changed to be, um, absolutely uncompromising as much as Ed, as much as probably Asriel, as much as any one of those, um, villains mm-hmm. that is in the cells at Indian Hill. Absolutely. So for me, he is saying this, and yes, it's his old friend, but he means this absolutely uh, in a way that is, what does he mean? It is a double-edged saying, and I think now he really does mean it to mean I'm coming to get yeah. you. Um, yeah. And I must say, I love that the reveal of Azrael, not only do you see the surprise um, from Barnes and Jim, but you have it being shown through the TV so that Tabitha, um, his sister, and obviously his great nemesis, Oswald Cobblepot, who is substantially altered, mm-hmm. also get to see him. You know, vengeance is back again. I mean, if the sane Oswald or relatively sane Oswald shoved an umbrella down Theo's neck, I dread to think where he's <laughs> going to shove that umbrella uh, <laughs> now that he has been subjected to... Uh, mind control Mm. and mind manipulation by Hugo and he has come out of the other end of that not in a great place given um, his father's murder so um, yeah I would say um, a lot of umbrellas uh, are going to be required by the penguin uh, on Theo Gallivan. Some in his ears, some in his nose, yeah it'll be be very interesting those little, uh, little cocktail umbrellas up his nose maybe. Yeah possibly (laughs) Possibly. Uh, John do you want to give us your final point? Yeah, I really thought that Alfred summed it up here um, for for me. Um, I really, really enjoyed that he goes, what the hell is happening to our city? Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing good. Um, this is really the changing point here. You know, we have seen um, Gotham absolutely descend into chaos it's what falcone was um concerned about um in season one that you know if if you allow these crackpots to take over then order goes chaos comes and here we have alfred really now saying what has happened alfred in terms of seeing asriel has to rationalize and go well he can't have been dead um you Mm know all all, all the the images of him um, can only mean that he must have been hidden away somewhere. Uh, resurrection is completely out of his mind. But I just love the fact that Alfred says this. Um, little does he know that he will soon be a part of it um, as well, but for the fight for good, mm. uh, which I really like. Um, I love this 
idea that these characters don't know what's in store for them uh, in the future. And, and some of these comments is absolutely believable. What is going on with our city? But they'll have to embrace it to survive. Really good. Absolutely. Um, for my final point, really, it's, it's just the final scene in the GCPD, the big fight sequence in the GCPD against Azrael. Um, I've taken both of the Azrael points. Sorry, John. That's fine. <laughs> but they were I, my points as well. I love it. I really enjoyed it. It really strikes me like the Arkham Asylum games where Azrael is a, is the predator here taking out the GCPD where he, um, where he's, he gets one guy from behind, um, where nobody sees him at all. I think that's really cool. Definitely strikes me of the Batman for this city really cool and unfortunately while i love that scene and jim gets out i think it's a really good creepy scene um like something out of a horror but it does lead to what could be the death of the second captain of the gcpd do you think he's dead john i don't know i hope he's not actually mm. um certainly it was only um one eighth of a sword that was uh thrust into uh barns uh so i'm hoping he's still alive i think he is um, I think people have uh, not died with worse. Uh, Barnes hasn't died yeah. with worse, in fact, this season. So, um, and he's been injured a few times. Mm. So, I'm hoping that he's still alive. Um, I think only because the sword broke. Because I love the fact that you know the great sword of sin mm-hmm. um, was actually just a cheap knockoff uh, created uh, in a, in a real cheap sort of um, ironmonger's quickly for for hugo strange mm-hmm. to give to um azrael it seemed um, more like it was bought in a, a costume exactly. shop or something <laughs> I, I really like that and the reaction of azrael when it breaks and he goes that's not supposed to happen <laughs> yeah i know really really good i think as well um i really like the the jaws reference here we need a bigger gun and mm-hmm. um, that was a superb moment that's um true. as well uh referencing obviously steven spielberg's uh seminal 1977 film Jaws mm-hmm. um, and of course yeah he is the predator is Asriel so very good um, but uh, I'm hoping Captain Barnes is still alive but maybe he will have to retire like Loeb maybe it's more of a retirement rather than a, a death maybe yeah maybe but uh, I, I thought the sword wasn't long enough to really run him through right Good, good. Be happy to see uh, Barnes back again next week, hopefully. So, Derek, do you have any notes for this episode? I think we've covered most of my notes in the points, but just one final note. I absolutely love how this episode closed out uh, with the camera panning up to the bridge uh, from Gotham City, possibly to Metropolis if uh, Batman v Superman is, is to be believed. Um, but as Azrael watches over the city of Gotham, uh, a true Batman moment. Uh, really, really cool. Just showing um, him looking out over what he may think is his city. That's quite cool. Yeah, really, really good. Um, I don't think so much it was the Metropolis. I still think it's Gotham. Um, I think uh-huh. Metropolis is way over the bay, not yes, the river. That's, that's true. That is true. Uh, but uh, yeah, great close out to the episode having that that image so batman like and i mean it just reinforces that Azrael is the batman surrogate here in, in this episode mm. and maybe for a, a while to come maybe he will um give young bruce wayne a few more things to think about um yeah I do, I do wonder the reaction from some of the more, uh, fanatical Batman fans to having, uh, Azrael kind of be the template for Batman, um, the bad Batman, but for Batman in the show. I mean, I'd be intrigued to hear any thoughts from our listeners about this, whether they were 
slightly offended by the fact that uh, that Bruce will take up the mantle and do exactly the same things that Azrael would do on the good side. Um, it is more it is more like in the comic books that Azrael is following the footsteps a little bit of Batman, but a bit more cruel and a bit more um, a bit more murdery, let's say. Absolutely. I mean, for me, it's one of those things where I think. They are absolutely within their rights, given that there is a multiverse on, on all of this to, mm-hmm. to do it this way round. Um, that is, I think, absolute carte blanche for me to do it in that way. And I feel that, you know, maybe the one thing that really has given, um, Bruce Wayne the, the, the spark here is that, um, I need a cape or I do need to train harder and faster to get speed, agility, um, and, and more, to really become someone that can fight these villains, these mm-hmm. types of villains. Like, if he's there going, well, that's who I have to face, I have to be at least on par with them to take them down, and if need be, in a physical fight. Not necessarily to kill them, but to sort of arrest them, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know... Azrael hasn't given him the persona of the Batman, but maybe he's given him the thought that he can wear a costume himself and that um, he has to train better, harder, faster uh, to really um, to to really sort of protect Gotham. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think it is necessarily saying that this has given him the idea to be mm-hmm. Batman. I still think there's really the bat element that has to be fixed in Bruce's mind. And where is he going to get that from? Because yeah. um, at the moment, we've not seen a bat anywhere. That's I true. Think. Two seasons. We kind of thought 14, that... 14, 15 now, and there's been no mention of any no. bats yet. You know, we did think that maybe the, the time when Bruce goes out into the forest to um, sort of remember his father, that he might fall down... Mm-hmm. Um, into a cave and find the the bat cave but now we have him potentially finding it through um the secret entrance in the fireplace in, in the study so it will be interesting to see how that comes to him mm-hmm. in Gotham if it even comes to him at all mm-hmm. uh, but i hope that they bring it along the same lines as obviously the classic frank miller aspect yeah you know the thing that frightens him he uses against his enemies i think that's a real classic aspect of batman yeah it's a great version of the the creation definitely so john overall in this episode what did you think i think this was a great four mad hatters out of five um (laughs) again it just had loads going on and this is for me when gotham's at its best Mm -hmm. when it it really paces quickly brings in loads of different elements uh, and really drives the story. I mean, I really can't wait to see now what Tabitha and Penguin do uh, in relation to knowing that Theo Gallivan is back in town and alive uh, or whether they'll do anything at all. I really want to see um, how this really moves forward with what Ed is going to do in uh, Indian Hill mm. underneath Arkham. I really want to see, are we going to get to see the Mad Hatter? That would be just fantastic for me. At least maybe just a glimpse. Um, oh, I'd love to see a good a good storyline with the Mad Hatter, actually. No, absolutely. Yeah. I prefer to see a good storyline uh, in Season 3, but it would be great just to see a glimpse of him going out of Arkham, you know, escaping from Arkham, 
uh, at the hands of Ed Nigma uh, and really um, sort of seeing a few of those people go out into uh, the city, yeah. which kind of leaves you wanting more for season three. I think that'd be really good. I'm not really sure how much help Hugo Strange needs in releasing inmates out to the city of, uh, of Gotham, though. I'm not sure he's doing, seems to be doing quite well on his own uh, so far this season. And yeah, absolutely. And then obviously just the unleashing of Asriel and then the revelation that it is Theo Galavan and, and just really seeing Bruce sort of process, uh, what Asriel brings to what he wants to do in protecting mm. Gotham. Really interesting. But at the same time, as I say, I think that's a really important line from, from, uh, Alfred saying, you know, what the hell is happening to our city. This yeah. is like uncharted territory. And I think it's just going to get more crazy. Mm-hmm. And I really want to see what the impact of that reveal is on the city of Gotham. You know, it's uh, the, the reveal on television to everybody in the city of a very high profile person who's dead and been returned to life. What will that do to your city? What would happen in, in our city if we got that revealed, you know? Everyone um, would vote for him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, voting can be pretty weird sometimes, can't it? <laughs> So, Derek, what did you think about the episode? Overall, I really liked it. I think after watching the episode, something that really struck me about it is that this is now feeling like the DC Comics universe again. Um, the show started out as a crime drama, uh, very much uh, trying to take inspiration from things like uh, Gotham Central, from the car- characters of Harvey Bullock and Jim Gordon, the police officers in the city of Gotham and what they would do. Uh, I do wonder if if they looked at the success of shows like Flash and Arrow, which while on a smaller network, they do have the success um, for those smaller networks, smaller numbers again uh, that you that you get on Fox. But uh, I do wonder if they looked at the success of those shows in their ability to take characters from the comic book universe and said, "How can we do that? How can we take those characters and not just use criminals on the streets and mob bosses?" Um, and I wonder if this is this is them moving towards that a bit more. Uh, this is certainly the character of Azrael, the way he's portrayed in this episode is certainly the most comic booky character we've seen in quite a while on this show. Uh, I think is my feeling. Definitely. Definitely. And there is soon to be the possibility of all those crazy um, villains being released from Indian mm. Hill, let alone the, 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 the slip of Oswald into um, even more sort of psychosis and, and craziness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're really going to see the evil penguin um, and obviously the manipulative enigma, the evil manipulation that he does. So this is all just getting worse and worse for yeah. Gotham. Yeah, absolutely. But I just, I just really enjoyed it. I have to say, I really enjoyed the episode and enjoy this move away uh, from just the weekly stories. I think we talked about earlier on in the season, having these kind of arcs and having things happen that carry out over five, six, ten, twelve episodes in the season. That's great, great touches, and having it come back much more to the comic books is, is really enjoyable. Yeah, for me definitely, as well. yeah. definitely. Yeah, so with that, if you have any thoughts on um, this episode of Gotham or on this season of Gotham so far, please send um, those thoughts and discussion into us here at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. You can also um, leave us feedback and comments on our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast. And of course, now you can leave audio. Just go to our website, gothamtvpodcast.com, and you can leave um, audio there to us, which we can then play on the podcast as part of the feedback Mm -hmm. segment, which I think um, leads us nicely into um, our feedback segment for this week. Absolutely. Our first bit of feedback uh, comes in via email at uh, feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. 
And it comes in from Natalie. Uh, she goes, Easter came late this year for Gothamites, as we had a basket full of Easter eggs and foreshadowing, and a couple of callbacks as well uh, in this episode. More recognisable bat pieces also fell into place in a solid episode of Gotham. In a small but significant way, Jim Gordon may have just saved the future Batman from himself by living the consequences of what happens when you go too far. Jim's advice to be better than that will reinforce Bruce's intrinsic resistance to killing against those times when Batman will feel most tempted to murder someone. It also brings home the point that Jim's a second father figure uh, for Bruce. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that uh, reiterated quite a few times throughout the show. Absolutely. As, as Natalie goes on to say, he does a fine balance between dissuading Bruce from um, going down a course that is against the law mm-hmm. to standing up to uh, Captain Barnes at the end where Natalie says he makes the case for sometimes having to go outside uh, the law in order to get things done, especially in Gotham. Mm-hmm. So it's a real double-edged um, sort of... Janus type uh, position for for Jim Gordon both to be uh, the mentor for for Bruce and telling him the right path to go down whilst in a sense not taking his own advice because he deems it necessary to break the law under certain circumstances so I completely agree with Natalie uh, on this point you know Jim does have a a really good um part to play in this episode although I still think I'm really, really pleased that Captain Barnes absolutely stuck it to him and Bruce in this. I think it really needed Captain Barnes to be able to get his point across um, to to these two main protagonists, absolutely. Mm-hmm. As Natalie uh, confirms with, in a sense, what I've just said, Barnes begins to rant about how a loose cannon vigilante makes things more difficult for police, and maybe part of that is directed at Jim. Bruce interpreting that rant forms a nice foreshadowing subtext as if his future self was offended at the description whilst his present day self merely wants to know what concrete things Barnes will actually do to catch said vigilante. Mm-hmm. This has been one of those um, themes running through Gotham, even from season one, the, the notion of the vigilante and uh, whether it's a vigilante for good or you could almost say that evil vigilanteism um, through the spirit of the goat as an example of that. Mm-hmm. But we had Balloon Man all taking it upon themselves to try and do something good, but maybe in a um in a legal way, um something that Jim was determined to stop. But it also means that the justice element um from an arrest and, and trial of the antagonist just could never be done because the vigilante had always killed the that villain yeah absolutely absolutely Natalie goes on to say Hugo Strange's manipulation of Theo Azrael reminds me of a tabletop gamer's dungeon master either he's played such games in his youth or he's simply become an expert at playing along with patient delusions (laughs) that's actually a clever echo of early in the season Theo convinced a disconnected from reality LARPA live action role player to drink a substance that turns into a knockout gas then unleashes him upon then traffic cop Jim Gordon all in a bid to bust the future Mannix out of Arkham. Now Theo gets turned into a very dangerous LARPA and is set on Jim. It's a taste of his own medicine. Yeah, the guy with the blue mist that was Zardon, wasn't it? That, uh, that 
yeah. feel out of control that he went out in the street with his with his sword to try and attack Jim. Yeah, yeah, and then I think it was in Arkham where he just sort of collapses on the table and releases the the gas, which makes them go all crazy, basically. Uh, it sets them all free, doesn't it? Yeah. No, sorry, knocks them all out so that Theo can uh, can pick them all up and bring them to his lair That's and cre- it, create yeah. the maniacs. Yeah. That's right. Because yeah, Tabitha comes in, whip in hand, with a gas mask on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's the one. This might be the first time Natalie goes on to say that Azrael of the Order of St. Dumas gets out of the comic books. I associate the name Azrael with Gargamel's smurf-hunting kitty far more than any other reference. (laughs) Three episodes to go, Natalie. Thank you so much, Natalie, for that feedback. Really, really good. Absolutely think Hugo Strange's manipulation, fantastic. I love the notion that he might be manipulating further um, to to create the Mad Hatter. Um, All of this really bodes well for season three and yes it really does hark back to um galavan's own attempt at doing this kind of mind manipulation on uh on larpers <laughs> yeah thanks very much natalie good to hear your thoughts as always uh, if you want to send us in your feedback you can send them into feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com and as you mentioned you can now record audio feedback if you go to our website just gothamtvpodcast.com and just press the send voicemail button thanks very much for that absolutely Uh, thank you so much i think um we have some twitter feedback as well remember you can join us live tweeting gotham on mondays at 10 p.m at gotham tv podcast is our twitter handle and we have some tweets from this episode of gotham yeah, Matt Ratley says Captain Barnes is one tough sob taking on Galavan and Azrael by himself. Yeah, yeah, I'm really hopeful that we're that he's going to survive. That's a that's a really good point, Matt. Kyle uh, Boyd says Azrael has been a really great Batman character over the years. I've really been looking forward to Gotham's take. Yeah, I think they've done a great job here with Azrael. Really, really enjoying the character and hope to see tons more of Azrael throughout, uh, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, and over on Facebook, Claire says, Bravo to James Frayne as Azrael. Uh, I hope Barnes survives. Found it interesting when Professor Hugo Strange kept calling him son. Yeah, something we didn't really mention on the episode. Uh, actually, was just part of the story that uh, is being delivered to Azrael is that uh, Hugo Strange is his father and he is creating Azrael. Uh, that's a really cool point. Thanks for that, Claire. And thanks for that feedback. We also received our first piece of feedback through our new voicemail function over on our website. If you want to uh, deliver us some audio feedback, just go to gothamtvpodcast.com, uh, click the send voicemail button. Uh, and you can record about 90 seconds of your thoughts on the episode. The first listener who's done that is Preston from Tampa Bay, Florida. Uh, Great to hear your thoughts, Preston. Take it away. Hi, guys. This is Preston from Tampa Bay, Florida in the U.S. I want to start off by saying thank you. Uh, Your podcasts make Gotham even more enjoyable for me. I really look forward to um, hearing your discussions each week and um, seeing what you have to say. So for that, thank you very much. On to Azriel. Uh, just a couple quick observations of mine. I really loved the um, the interrogation scene of Hugo Strange. It really seemed like he had the upper hand throughout the conversation, and then Jim managed to um, turn it around on him at the end. I thought that was really cool. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Good way to start off the uh, the episode. And then right after that, the excellent performance by Corey Michael Smith as Ed Nigma in the uh, Arkham Asylum there. It was funny, and it was well done. I really enjoyed that scene. 
And moving on real quick to um, Jim and Bruce's conversation at Wayne Manor, I could really sense the foundations for some of Batman's philosophies coming to light in that conversation. It seemed like Bruce may be learning a little bit from Jim and vice versa, but I really enjoyed that exchange there. Really well done, too. Back to Arkham real quick. I'm not sure why the inmates are left together and unsupervised like that to where Ed could just uh, slip out unnoticed. But then again, it is Arkham, and I guess that's uh, pretty much par for the course there. Moving on to Azrael himself real quick. I was getting a real Mask of the Phantasm vibe from him, uh, especially a couple lines he said there. And I really enjoyed that, whether it was intentional or not. I thought it was pretty cool. And on to my final point, which is the reason I'm leaving this feedback to begin with, was the, uh, the look on Bruce Wayne's face as a masked, caped crusader scales buildings of Gotham City while the uh, GCPD are shooting at him. It's priceless. I mean, all I could think of is Batman Begins. And not necessarily the film, but I mean, you know, Bruce was just mesmerized by the sheer awesomeness of the sight he was beholding. And I think it's another moment uh, that's going to shape the future of his vigilantism throughout the city. That's it. I just want to say once again, thank you guys so much. And I look forward to your next podcast. Thanks very much for your thoughts, Preston. Really, really good to hear from one of the listeners uh, with our audio feedback. If you want to leave audio feedback, just pop on over to GothamTVPodcast.com and just click on the send voicemail button, as I mentioned. Thanks so much for listening. Really, really good that you're enjoying our podcast of the show. Um, some of your points, yeah, we had a lot of the same points that we talked about on the episode. Uh, yeah, the Jim and Bruce conversation was fantastic. Foundations of some of Batman's philosophy. Yeah, totally agree. Um, they're, they're definitely in there in that conversation. Really cool. Yeah, I mentioned it on the podcast, the moment where Enigma is left alone in what look for what looks like hours in Arkham, um, just kind of scanning the walls to, to find out that entrance into Indian Hill. Uh, I have no idea how he gets away with it and how, why inmates are left alone for that long within Arkham. But we know it's a revolving door prison, so we know, uh, we know there's not enough uh, security in there to keep them in, I suppose. And yes, absolutely, the look on Bruce's face as... Uh, he sees the masked vigilante is just priceless absolutely brilliant exactly as you said really really cool uh yeah truly batman begins in this episode uh yeah really interesting as well that you say about uh, azrael and mask of the phantasm i haven't seen mask of the phantasm the uh, animated batman um movie for uh, for quite a long time but yeah really do see what you mean about that uh, really good connection there for me as I mentioned, again, it is uh, very much to do with the Arkham games. He's the first one that's doing kind of predator mode and predator takedowns on, the, on some of the GCPD members uh, in there. That's really cool. Thanks so much for sending in some audio feedback as we get to the end of our Season 2 coverage. We hope to get a bit more uh, as we go into Season 3, potentially. Uh, if anybody does want to send, send audio feedback, it is uh, lots of fun to hear your voices as well on our podcast. 
Thank you so much for all your feedback. It's really appreciated. Um, and I think with that, that's about the end of the show. We will be back for our third from last episode of Gotham, mm-hmm. episode 20. The second half of this season seems to have really careered through uh, with the uh, wrath of the villains being uh, absolutely put upon Gotham. Uh, we will be back next week with um, Unleashed, episode 20 of Gotham. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, thank you so much for listening, and we will speak with you next time. Yeah, talk to you again next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye. Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby.